Amen and amen. Well, welcome once again to our living room, our Action Church living room, joining you and yours. We hope that you and your family are doing great. We had a phenomenal time worshiping with you last Sunday uh, at our Action Church Easter services online, on Facebook, YouTube, on Fox, on TV, on Good Life. I know a lot of you are welcoming, uh, we're welcoming you for the very first time that you visited last week. And so welcome back. We're actually continuing our series, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And this is our fifth week at Action Church in this series as we're studying the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to study how Jesus went through his worst day so that he could help us overcome ours. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had some bad days. Come on, somebody. How many of you are going to need some marriage counseling after this? Like, I love that woman, but we are in the home too much. Like, the home is only so big. Used to, you had hobbies and you went somewhere. It's like, they're always there. I'm just kidding. I love you, Steph. My boys are at home, homeschooling. Maybe you're unemployed. Maybe you're furloughed. We're, we're going through a season where a lot of us are going through some new normals and some bad days. And I think this series is so important in this season as we watch how Jesus lived out his worst day to help us overcome ours. In fact, that's gonna be on the screen. Write that down if you're taking notes. Jesus went through his worst day so that he could help us overcome ours. I don't know if you're like me, but I felt what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 22 a few times over this series, a few times over this season, that my strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead, that we just have these moments where we feel like we can't go on, where we feel like we're we're hurting, where we're lost. And, and Jesus felt like that. We've been studying the first four statements that Jesus made, and today is one of transparency. Today is one of, of just being real in the moment, that he felt things like you and I feel. It says this in John's Gospel, chapter 19, starting in verse 28, we'll read verse 29 as well. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. He is about to die on the cross for you and for me. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Then in that moment, he said, I, I'm having a bad day. Like, I, I could use a drink of water. Like, I, I, I have a need. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they, the soldiers, soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. And here's the overarching theme for our time together today. On your worst day, on your bad days, be human enough to acknowledge your need. Jesus said, I am thirsty. And we know the original language here, there's two different definitions. There's the literal definition, the physical definition, and the figurative definition. That he was talking about a physical thirst. We know that Jesus was, was human. And at this point, being beaten, tortured, hanging in the hot sun, that he actually was thirsty. When he said, I am thirsty, it was a physical thirst. But there's a second meaning to this. There's a spiritual thirst. We know from last week that he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that God didn't forsake Jesus. He had to leave. His presence had to leave Jesus because Jesus took on your sin and he took on my sin. So Jesus was not just saying, I'm physically thirsty. He was spiritually thirsty because the presence of God had, had left him. He, he, was, he was lost not lost eternally, don't take it there, but he was, he was searching, he was thirsty, he was empty from the presence of God, therefore he had a spiritual thirst. Because you gotta think about this, he is going through his worst day and the presence of God leaves him based off of our sin, so he literally is living in hell. 
like darkness, isolation, feeling all of our shame, all of our pain, all of our abuse, and the presence of God is no longer with them because he can, ten, cannot take part in sin. So Jesus said, I'm spiritually, I'm spiritually thirsty. There's so many things happening here. One of the things that Jesus is doing is not just fulfilling his mission, he's bringing credibility to the word of God. There are dozens of prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about what Jesus, the coming Messiah, would do. And what's crazy is Jesus fulfilled every single one of them, including this one. So they gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. It's an Old Testament foreshadowing in the book of Psalms talking about that Jesus would have been betrayed and they would have given him sour wine. I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking the sour wine was, was a mockery. It was a mockery of Jesus that he would have been asking for water. But when you actually study what they gave them, that's not the case at all. What they gave him was a sour wine made from vinegar known as Pasca, P-O-S-C-A. And this was actually an act of mercy from the soldiers, and it symbolizes God's mercy for you and for me. So even in this moment on his worst day, he is being shown mercy. The sour wine was not there to torture them. The sour wine would have been a customary drink for the soldiers. Higher class would have, would have turned up their nose to this, but lower class and soldiers drank this sour wine drink as uh, a delicacy, as a normal. It would have been something that they drank consistently, and it would have been made of these different herbs, these different spices, this vinegar, and this wine. It, it was an act of mercy and relief. Jesus, catch this, Jesus says, I am thirsty, and then he's shown an act of mercy. And that is the overarching theme for our time together today, that if we will be transparent, if we will be real, if we will say, God, I need you. God, I'm lost. God, I don't know how to get through this pandemic. God, I don't know how to get through this unemployment. God, I don't know how to get through, come on, this marriage in this season. I just, I need some help. I am thirsty. Be human enough to acknowledge your need and God will meet you there. I read a commentary this week. And John's gospel is the only one that talks about this hyssop branch. And, and we'll talk about that at the end of our time together today. But in this commentary, one of the soldiers took pity on Jesus and moistened his lips with the cheap vinegar wine that the soldiers drank. We know they were giving him something out of their mercy because of his transparency. He wouldn't have been given anything if he wouldn't have asked for anything. And I think too many of us say, God's not helping us, friends aren't helping me, my spouse isn't meeting my needs. And it's because we're just not transparent. What we do is we allow our worst days to cause us to shrink back, to isolate, to get quiet. And then we look out and say, nobody gave me anything to drink. Nobody fed me. The church didn't take care of me. Nobody asked. Jesus modeling on your worst day, just be real. Be transparent. Acknowledge your need. But, but what could keep us from that? There's a few things. In fact, I, I thought of three things this week that I want to give you, and I'm calling them roadblocks to being real. Roadblocks to being real. The first one is hidden weaknesses. It's when we try and hide our weaknesses. What I found is that everybody already knows. Like, we think we're doing all this good job. Like, nobody knows that, 
you know, the, the, the guy that's super confident, and arrogant, like we all know you're insecure, bro. Like we all, we got it. Like you're not, you're not fooling anybody. We know you have a deep root of insecurity, but we all put on this mask and we think that nobody sees behind the mask. It's a, it's a half of a mask. It's like the old masquerade ball. You got the masquerade. Everybody can still see your face. You're not hiding anything from anyone. You just look silly. Take off the mask. Your, your hiding of your weaknesses is a roadblock to being real. It says in 2 Corinthians, it says we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see. I grew up Southern. Jesus said, I am thirsty. I remember going to my grandmother's house, and aunt's and uncle's house, friend's house. Maybe some of y'all are like this. Maybe you're watching today. Your parents are like this. We go into somebody's house. They say, if they, if they ask you if you want anything, just say no. <laughs> Jesus says, I am thirsty. And if they ask you growing up, are you thirsty? No, I'm not thirsty. I'm dying of thirst. Like, I am literally about to die of dehydration. And my mom would be like, you don't tell me you want anything. Like, would you like a Coke? No. Would you like a snack? No. Like, inside, I'm seven. Like, yes, I would love something. But what we're saying is not what's really happening. Too many of us are, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Put a smile on your face, fake it, figure it out. Don't let anybody know, and we're dying on the inside. We're, we're faking our way through these weaknesses, and everybody already knows. Yeah. I wrote this down this week. If you think you're without sin, you're only fooling yourself. Mm. We all know what's behind the mask. Your spouse, your kids, your brother, your sister, your best friend, the only person you're fooling, if you think that you've got it all together, that I don't need anything, is yourself. And it's a roadblock to you being real and you finding the mercy and the grace and the healing on your worst day. Here's the second thing, write this down. A desire for approval. A desire for approval will keep us from being real. Proverbs 29 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know why? Because man's opinion is always changing. But the word of God never changes. So if we base our life on the word of God, the, the fear of God, the desire of approval from God, we always have a foundation. We always have a normal. We always have a, a, a right and a wrong, a, a compass, if you will, a true north to come back to. But if you desire to, approve, uh, to get approval from man, it's always changing. I mean, just look at, at fashion. Like, you're chasing fashion. You, you might as well just, just keep buying new things. Like, this is in and that is in. Some of you right now, it's like, what are you wearing? Is that a dress? No, it's a long T-shirt. It's called fashion. <laughs> but if we keep trying to keep up and impress everybody and get the new house and get the new car and get the new guy, get the new girl, get the new, all the things, we're just, we're, it's, we're always going to be, I don't know about you, I, because I'm always a season behind. In fact, just a fashion tip for you out there. If you shop a season behind, it's always cheaper. Like, don't buy it when it comes out. Buy it the next year. You get that stuff on clearance. So we call it in Birmingham clearance. It's clearance. You get 50% off. But that desire for approval, the reason that you always come up empty and it's a roadblock to being real is because it's a moving target. Here's the third one. We won't spend much time on this one because we talked about it for our full 30 minutes in week one. But the third roadblock to being real is past hurts. It's our past hurts. That's why James 5 gives us this, this insight. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That we can't keep carrying the past. And I don't want to spend any more time on that because we spent 
all the first week talking about, Father, forgive them, that we've got to let go of yesterday if we're going to pursue what God has for us, that we're not going to have the strength for today if we're carrying the hurt from our past. And so release that. Go back and watch week one on our YouTube channel or on our website, and you'll get past that past hurt. So let's talk about being transparent today. If we're going to do it, how, how do we do it, and, and why should we do it? The theme for today is to be human enough to acknowledge your need. And if we're going to be transparent, I think the first thing we need to hear, especially as a church uh, family, is that Action Church, if you're looking for a church, we'd love for it to be here. Action Church is a safe place to fail. And what I want to talk about today are four metaphors in the Bible of what the church should be to believers, should be to people and I want to talk about being transparent in the context of relationships in the church and this being a safe place. Hear me today, not a perfect place. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to offend you both from the platform and the camera and in small groups and teams because we're full of humans. So not a perfect place, but a safe place to fail. We say at Action Church, everybody has a next step. Now, your next step may not be a leader. It may not be leading a small group. It could be a freedom group, recovery. It could be a small group. It could be marriage counseling. But anything you do, we want to be there with you. This is a safe place for you to be real because we're all, we're all just trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. We firmly believe that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is a place where you can be transparent. Here's the first reason. Be transparent because you need support. Let's make it personal. Be transparent because I need support. We all have days where we're shaken and we're not sure. And that's why the New Testament calls the church a building or a foundation. Be transparent because I need support. Because the church, this body, is, is a building, is a foundation. Ephesians 2 says this. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. When tragedy strikes, and a lot of you are facing that today, maybe for the first time ever, you need something strong to stand on. That's right. When the winds come, have you built your house on sand or on rock? Have you built your house on approval of men, on success, on your job or career that all of a sudden just got taken away? Now we need something firm to stand on. That is the word of God. That is the foundation in scripture. That is the local church. Yeah. We need a foundation. We need a family. That's why we're talking about this every week, the care network that we started at Action Church. You may not be a part of that family. You can join that today. Like last week at Action Church, we, we do what? We reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. And last week, uh, we reached over 35,000 people online. Be tens of thousands of more reached when we get our TV numbers back. But get this, we have over 3,000 adults connected in our care network already that are connected in the family. You're going through something tough. You need security. First of all, it's a relationship with the Lord. It's an understanding and building your life on his word, but you need the foundation, the building, the structure of a local church. And if you'll fill out a digital connection card today, you can join this family. You don't have to wait till we get back. You don't have to wait till we open up Oviedo or Sanford or Winter Park or South Orlando. We can be the building, the foundation, the security that God wants to use in this season. Be transparent because I need support. Here's the second thing. Be transparent be transparent because I need to grow. 
I want to remind everybody in this room and everybody watching online today, your, your potential cannot be reached alone. Yeah. I think about if we're, if we're in a weight room, and I can't wait to get back into a gym. Like, I'm tired of the garage gym. Cool. Anybody else? Just not, not quite push yourself quite as hard. It's like, I'm going to do, do five sets. Okay, I'm going to do three. I feel great. I'm going to go for a bottle of water, and I'm going to go sit by the pool. Like, just don't quite get there because your potential can't be reached alone. Like you, if you're gonna, if you're in a weight room and, and I'm putting weight on the bar, there's only a certain amount that I can push myself when I'm by myself. I need a spotter. I need somebody to come and, and help me when I'm struggling to push through that last rep. I'm never gonna get stronger just carrying what I can carry, just doing it on my own. That's why the church is not just a building. The church is a body. Be transparent because I need to grow. That's why the church is a body. A body is meant to grow. Get stronger. Ephesians 4 says, For him, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That the body of Christ is meant to grow, both in size and in health and in strength, as each part, not just one part, not just one pastor, not just one intercessor, not just one worship leader, as each part does its own work. Colossians reminds us, chapter two, we are joined together in his body. That it's not our body, it's the body of Christ and his, his, his strength. And we, we grow as we get our nourishment and strength from God. That we're joined together in his body and we get our strength, not from ourselves, but from him and from other people. You. You cannot, listen to me, believer today, if you call yourself a Christian, you cannot be completely fulfilled. You cannot grow into the man or woman of God that God is calling you to be apart from the body of Christ. Right. There is no backup plan. He didn't say, I will build my church, and if that doesn't work, I'll start building this thing. It's just not in there. Yeah. Like the church is the body of Christ, and you need a church to plug into. You cannot fulfill your purpose alone. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yet there are so many Christians like, well, I'm kind of done with that church thing. That is the only thing that Jesus is coming back for. So grow roots. It doesn't have to be here. You don't like us? That's okay. Find somewhere that you can plug in and give faithfully and serve and use your gifts. Go back to that where it says each part. You have a part to play. Regardless of what's been said about you, what's been done to you, the mistakes that you've made, I promise you that God can redeem your past and use your present and your future and the gifts he's given you to reach and connect people. You've got to be a part of a body. We have so many parts to play. As we get back into church, gathering physically, we have our action steps and ways and discover classes and, 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 and discovery uh, steps, both spiritual gifts and personality gifts. We'd love to figure out how you can play your part in this body of Christ. Be transparent because you need to grow. Here's the third one. Be transparent because I need protection. I need protection. You can't protect somebody if they don't know what you're struggling with. We talked about it earlier. If, if I don't know you're thirsty, I can't give you a drink. Yeah. And I need to be transparent because I need to be protected. I need to be protected for who I really am, not who I pretend to be. Mm. That's why this is so important. This is Jesus' favorite term for the church. The church is a flock with a shepherd 
and the flock protects itself. First Peter says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. That's why we have pastors. That's why we have spiritual leaders. That's why we have mentors in the faith because they provide a spiritual cover. They provide a shepherding of God's people. Not better than just around a little bit longer, just a little bit more spiritually mature, just anointed and, and appointed by God to play that role as a shepherd. You need to be a part of a flock. You need protection. John 15 says, my command is this, love each other as I, as, if I, as I, easy for me to say, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You and I need protection. And a lot of times it looks this way. It looks like accountability. So my question to you today is, do you have accountability? Like, are you protected by other people? Who is holding you accountable? Come on, think about that right where you are. Who's holding you accountable? Who really knows you? Not who you pretend to be. Not the 90% you show everybody else. Who knows the last 10%? And if they don't, you're in a dangerous spot. How do, we, how do we hold people accountable? It's simple. It's two questions. Is there anything you need to tell me? Come on, write that down. Get with somebody in your life. Is there anything you need to tell me? What do you mean? I don't know. What do you mean? Is there anything you need to tell me? Come on, if you have kids, you know. If you make that vague, they start scrambling. Like, well, I stayed up and I ate that snack in my room and my friend came over. Like, just leave it open-ended because then they're, they're like, what do you know? I don't know. I don't know. What do you know? Is there anything you need to tell me? Let them answer and then ask this question. Did you just lie to me? Is there anything you need to tell me? And did you just lie to me? Now we have accountability, because I have accountability. The leaders in this room have accountability. Every believer needs accountability because we are all one step away from stupid. Yeah. All of us. Just one step from complete stupidity. So who's in your life that is covering you, protecting you, asking you those questions? And I just want to be honest with you. Accountability is never fun. Yeah. Like correction is never fun. So I'm just going to promise you that this is a New Testament church that believes in accountability. Like when you screw up, you're not, you're not off the team, but you may be on the sidelines. Yeah. Like there's accountability. Like you can't talk to me like that. No, you, you can't judge me. It's not judgment inside the church. It's called correction. It's called church, church discipline. And the Bible talks about it a lot. It does, yeah. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, correct, rebuke, and exhort. 66% wow. of the church's job was to correct and rebuke. And then encourage. Pastor, I just need you to believe me. I do believe that you're being real stupid. And I think you should do this. And I would encourage you that I will help you do that. Like, we're just here to tell you that we need accountability. But accountability is very rarely fun. It wouldn't be accountability if they were just telling you what you wanted to hear. We have to be protected. And get this, a lot of times we have to be protected from ourselves. We tell the best lies to ourselves. I need protection, so I need a flock, I need a church, I need correction. Here's the fourth and last thing. Be transparent. Be transparent because I need to be loved. Mm -hmm. I need to be loved. Last metaphor for the church that I found is the church. The church is a family. One big dysfunctional family, but a, but a family. Ephesians 2 says this, you are a member of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Just felt like that set somebody free right there. Yeah. 
you have a terrible family here on earth, but God chose you to be a part of his family. And you belong. I feel like so many times we have this class of Christians, like they pray more than me and they give more than me and they read their Bible more than me and I don't even know what, what Bible uh, verse that is or what book that is. I've never even heard of that book and we think I don't fit. I love that verse. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. That there's no higher ranking class of Christians that we've all fallen short and need God's grace. And this can be your family. They would just have to be human enough to acknowledge our need. We need to be transparent. My pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges, always used to say, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm, you're only as sick as your secrets. And so let today be a day where you let go of some of those secrets, where you, you get off of this online service and you write something down in your journal, that you find a friend that you trust more than anyone else, that you talk to your spouse, that you call your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister, and you just say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I've been carrying this. Get that disease out of you that that secret is causing to grow on the inside of you. Write this down. A confession brings new life to something that a secret was trying to kill. A confession brings new life to something that a secret was trying to kill. That's true for your life right now, and that's just as true for your eternity. That there is secret sin, there's something growing on the inside of you that you've never confessed. Maybe it's somebody else believer and you need healing today, but there is an overarching sin and darkness and loneliness and separation in your heart today because you've never confessed your sins and your need for a savior in Jesus Christ. Give it to him today. He wants to show you mercy. He wants to purify those dark places in your life. I wanna end with this. This was so fascinating. I was talking about this concept with Pastor Joseph this week. Go back to verse 29 as, as we close, talking about salvation, talking about the relationship with Jesus. Only in John's gospel does it share this. It says, a jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. The other three gospels are, 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 more, uh, are more kind of uh, just simple and, 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 and fact-based than John. John was very personal, very relational, a lot more detail in John's gospel. The other three gospels call it just a stick. They put a sponge on a stick, but this hyssop branch, it's so important, and it's, a, it's the medium in which they gave Jesus mercy, they gave Jesus this drink, and the hyssop branch was the same thing that the people of Israel used in the Old Testament to put the blood on the doorpost for the Passover lamb. It was the same thing that was used in Levitical law with the priest. It, was, it, it represented purification and sacrifice, and so there was nothing by mistake that the mercy that was extended to Jesus that he was about to extend to you and to me was a symbol of purification purification, a symbol of God passing over, a symbol of God giving us something that we didn't deserve. I believe today is a day where the Holy Spirit figuratively, symbolically is stretching out or using this hyssop branch, this, this instrument to come into your life. And if you will just say, I am thirsty, I am in need, I am broken, I am sinful, I don't have all the answers. I am 
thirsty for the love of God. I am thirsty for the power of God. I am in need of the redemptive love of God. I am in need of the healing power of God. I promise you he will extend that branch. He will extend that love and he will purify the things that separated you and bring you into a relationship with him. What if you did that today? What if you invited God to be in the middle of your worst day. I wanna give you an opportunity right now. We're gonna bow our heads in our living room. Bow your heads right where you are. Close your eyes. And I wanna have a moment where you can have this opportunity to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To acknowledge your need for him. We need all that we talked about today. We need support, we need protection, we need to be loved. We've gotta to be real with, with people. But I need to tell you, that's gotta start with you being real with yourself and real with Jesus. That you have to acknowledge your need for him. You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that you want a relationship with Jesus Christ today. The perfect son of God. We've been talking about him for five weeks on the cross. We know the cross gives us grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation. We know this resurrection gives us victory, but we also know that we have to acknowledge our need, that we have to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. What if you did that today? Come on, right where you are, sitting there with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones, by yourself on your computer, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know today is the day where you accept that branch, you accept that gift, you are purified with the love of Jesus and you are gonna leave this service different in Jesus' name. If that's you, for the first time ever, or today is a day of recommitment for you, that you've, you've been selfish, you've been isolated, you've been arrogant, saying I don't need anything, but the Holy Spirit is reminding you today that you do need a relationship with Jesus. And you want to recommit your life today. So for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, you say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Come on, just you and God as a sign of surrender. Say, I want to start or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Come on, I know the Holy Spirit is moving right where you are. Many of you are giving your life to Jesus in this moment. If that's you, the Holy Spirit impressed upon you in that moment and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, really simple. It starts with, with giving your life to him. What if you prayed a prayer like this? Come on, pray this out loud right where you are or in your heart as I pray. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. Today, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us, every single person watching this service right now, myself included. God, help us be transparent this week. God, help us be real with those closest to us. We're going to take off the mask and we're going to say, God, I need you first and foremost, but God, I need other people to strengthen me, protect me, and to care for me on my worst days. We are not going to walk through our worst days alone in isolation or pretending, but we're gonna be real in Jesus' name. We love you. We thank you for this time together today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. amen.